Hey friends, can't wait till Wednesdays to get your Modern Mamas fix? Join us on Patreon. You can choose your tier, and when you subscribe, you'll get bonus content, early access to retreats, first peeks at new swag, plus shoutouts and even real-time monthly virtual hangs with us. Visit patreon.com forward slash Modern Mamas podcast to check it out and support the podcast. It truly means the world to us. We are so grateful for you and for this community. I love my Welcome to the Modern Mamas Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Whole Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. I have to say that today's topic, I was actually surprised, honestly, at how excited you guys were to talk about this topic. It's about mold exposure, and we're going to be talking a lot about mold. And honestly, I'm a geek, and I love this topic. I'm really, really excited to learn more, but I was really blown away by by you guys' response. And we have someone really special to come on and talk us through this really, it seems like a really big, daunting concept, but Dr. Anne-Marie Barter is on the show today to walk us through it. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you guys and share the mold knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) You never thought that this would be like a passion of yours, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you did think it would be a passion of yours. (laughs) It's so gross when I see it on walls or when I see pictures of it, I get a little nauseous because I know what it does to people. I'm passionate about getting the word out. I don't know if I'm particularly passionate about mold itself. (laughs) Well, I'm excited. And based off of, like I said, based off our feedback and the questions that we received. I think we received almost 30 separate questions about mold that our audience is really, really excited to learn more. And I think there's just a lot of like unknowns and there's a lot of like personal stories and people are just really unsure of of, like the real science behind it, which I'm really excited that you're going to dive into that with us. But Before we do, I want to introduce you guys to our our guest today, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. A little bit about her. So she is literally on the cutting edge of holistic healthcare. She's a chiropractor and a functional medicine practitioner who helps people get out of pain and reach their maximum potential through her unique approach. She has developed after studying under some of the finest minds in her field. Dr. Barter has always had a mind for high-level problem solving. In her early 20s, she was introduced to chiropractic. Whereas she has been had been very skeptical until it changed her life. I've heard many, many stories, just a little side note of the same thing happening. Mm-hmm. The treatment was like magic. She felt new and light, like a better version of herself. She immersed herself in school, learning not only the art and science of chiropractic modalities, 
but also functional blood chemistry analysis, nutrition, applied kinesiology, and natural remedies. She now specializes in difficult functional medicine cases, helping people with issues concerning their thyroid, blood sugar, gut health, and hormone dysfunction, as well as other metabolic conditions. Dr. Barter went to chiropractic school at the University of Western States in Portland, Oregon. When she found out her mother was diagnosed with late-stage cancer, they moved to Colorado to fulfill her mother's dream, and she opened her first practice. These days, Dr. Barter can be found dancing, skiing, running, practicing yoga, biking, hiking, practicing bar, or walking her Rhodesian Ridgeback Ritz. That was a tongue twister at the end. Rhodesian, Rhodesian Ridgeback Ritz. <laughs> I know. I know. That's a long intro. I'm so sorry you had to read all of that. No, I love it. And honestly, really what makes our podcast special is that I think that we create space for our listeners to get to know you like as a person. Yes, you're an expert and I'm sure we're going to dive deep into that. But also it's like, man, like I would want to hang out with you in real life. And I think that's important. <laughs> To know. Thank you so much. And important. I love like-minded people. I think yeah. it's so important we stick together. Absolutely. And I just, I actually, we we devote a, a the first part of our podcast to really like learning more about you as a person and your your personal journey. And so, like I said, today's topic is going to be about mold exposure. And I mean, everything from what is mold? How do you test for it? What do you do to help yourself with mold? What are the signs and symptoms? But really, before we dive into all of that goodness. Tell us a little bit more about you, Dr. Barter, how you found your passion, how you got to where you are, and what why you're doing what you're doing now. All right. Well, it all started pretty young for me. I remember having a terrible time with period cramps and acne. And I was I I was an athlete, but I felt like I wasn't the size weight-wise that I needed to be often like a lot of young girls. There was nothing wrong with me. I wasn't overweight. And now I understand being on the other side of that, you know, maybe how how a doc feels about it because you don't want to give somebody a complex. But I remember going into the primary care and just telling her about my issues. She runs blood work and she says the dreaded, everything is normal. There's nothing going on with you. Here's some different gel for your acne the reason I use different gel is because my neighbor sells it. If that doesn't work, we can explore birth control. Sorry, you have such bad period cramps. We can do birth control, but welcome to being a woman. And, you know, if the birth control doesn't work or the different gel, we can explore Accutane. Great. So I just left that appointment thinking, you know, there's nothing we can really do. This isn't going to work. And, you know, as, as a kid, you're self-conscious about those things. So one morning I woke up and I, I could barely stand up. And I went into my mom's room and I said, my period cramps are really bad today. Can I just, can I just stay home? She said, no, we are going to go get a second opinion. So we went to another doc. That doc said, holy cow, you need to go to the emergency room. Well, it was at that moment, my appendix was actually in the process of exploding and it, I had, I had confused that with period cramps. And oh again, goodness. I know, isn't that crazy? That like is that crazy. what I was dealing with as a young girl. Ugh. And so fast forward a year and I was finishing up finals in college. That happened my senior year of high school. I'm finishing up finals my freshman year of college. And I started breaking out in hives. 
all over my body. I looked like a creature from Star Wars. It was terrifying. So I'm walking around campus with a hoodie up. I'm itching and the hives were all over my face. And if you know anything about hives, if they're that close proximity to your face, they can also swell up in your throat and they can restrict your breathing. So I go to the emergency room. I'm clearly deficient in Benadryl. They give me Benadryl, send me home. <laughs> Happens the next night, send me Benadryl, give me Benadryl, send me home. Night after night after night. This happened for a week. One of the times they didn't dose me with enough Benadryl. And in the middle of the night, my roommate picked me up and ran me to the emergency room because I was almost unconscious because oh I gosh. had such a lack of airflow. So I almost died that night. And nobody talked to me about anything that could be causing this when I asked them. They're like, we don't know have no idea. And so at that point, I just felt like there was something wrong. I needed to get to the bottom of it. And I wasn't getting the the answers that I needed. So that took me down the, the path of looking through alternative medicine and, and going through all of those things to figure out what the heck was wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And like all of us, it's not just one thing. Like we want it to be easy. We want it to be one thing, but it ended up to be a multitude of things. So I've walked through having severe gut issues. I've walked through having cavitations in my mouth. I've, I've had severe mold exposure. I've had food sensitivities. You know, I've, I've, um, I've had early stage Hashimoto's, you know, the list goes on and on and on, you know, of what I've walked through, done and experienced. And when I graduated school, I thought I wanted to work in a business world doing negotiations. And this, what I'm doing now is actually my passion. And so I finally just said goodbye to that. And I followed, you know, my mom always wanted me to follow what I was passionate for and she's no longer with us. And I just am so excited to be doing this and helping people because it gives such a purpose in life. And so that's why I do that. That's how I get here. And so I've been doing this for the past 10 to 11 years in, in clinical practice. Wow, that's an incredible story. And I honestly, you you don't know anything about my story, but a lot of what you're saying is just really like hitting home. And I know so many of our listeners struggle with similar things when we're talking about, I just did food sensitivity testing and I have early onset markers for like a mounting autoimmune response, like similar to Hashimoto's and my thyroid and did a bunch of Dutch testing, which was like, thankfully, pretty, pretty good with like minimal things that we need to address. But like, gosh, and then it makes me wonder, it's like, I've lived in a lot of different places in my life. And so I'm very curious about mold, especially our last rental. You know, there's just some questionable things. And I I was speaking to a landlord who's a friend, not not our landlord, but he's like, well, we're not required to do anything about mold. Like, we'll just get a, a new tenant. And I'm like, but the mold, like you're not going to take care of it. He's like, well, it's so expensive. He's like, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't take care of it. And I'm like, oh God. So anyways, it, same story. I, I just have to interject. Same story. I, I have a house that I originally lived in and I moved and I, I kept the house when I got married. Mm-hmm. So we kept the house and one day and I have tenants in there and it flooded and this house was, the basement was flooded and unfinished for six days. And the rental management company, I said, what's going on? And they, they told me, and I said, get a mold testing company in there. They said, and I quote, 
we don't need to do that. We don't see any visible signs of mold. And I said, you get a mold testing company in there and you get another mold company, a testing company in there in another three months because we want to make sure that nothing is growing. You are not going to see visible mold mm-hmm. after two weeks potentially of, you know, in a, in a dry climate because I'm in Colorado and they pushed back. I, they're like, well, it's expensive to do that. I don't care. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter to me that it's going to cost me two to $300 to make sure that my, the folks that are in my house, I have a responsibility to them mm-hmm. and that they're safe, but that's the party line. So you yeah. have to advocate for yourself. That is so... <laughs> That's so insightful. And honestly, it's like, I'm I'm really excited to now dive into like talking about this because it's like, I know we got many questions about well, what can you do when you're in a rental? Like, how can you optimize? Like, what if you have no choice but to live in, in a home with potential mold? And so let's, let's do it. Are you ready to like dive into the nitty gritty? Let's do it. Hi friends, Laura here. Also shroom lover. <laughs> if you've been following me for long, you know that I love myself some shrooms in the morning, and I am super excited that Four Sigmatic is now offering a really, really rad ground mushroom coffee with both lion's mane and chaga. It's totally shifted my mornings. I find that typical coffee leaves me anxiety prone, a little bit extra stressed out, and feeling like I'm spinning my wheels, but not actually being productive. This coffee is very, very different. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. If you don't know, Four Sigmatic is a wellness company that is well known for its delicious mushroom coffee. So chaga is the king of mushrooms. And right now, chaga is actually my favorite because it's boosting immunity, it's making me feel good, and that in combination with lion's mane, which helps give me a brain boost, really makes for an awesome day. I'm super excited right now to let you know that we've worked out an exclusive offer with Four Sigmatic on their best-selling brand new Lion's Mane Coffee. This is just for the Modern Mamas podcast listeners. Because we love you, you can receive up to 39% off their best-selling Lion's Mane Coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com slash modernmamas. This offer is not available on the regular website. Go to F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash modern mamas and fuel your your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee the full discount will be applied at checkout enjoy happy shrooming i want to start really basic because you know i feel like this topic of conversation like everyone knows about mold exposure and like mold toxicity but for our listeners, that might not be the case. So just give us the basic, why, what are we talking about? Are we talking about mold on food? You know, there's all different kinds of mold. What is mold and why do we care about mold? Well, we are going to talk about all different types, primarily in the black mold family. That's where I'm most concerned and what I see in practice. So mold is a fungus, much like what we would talk about with candida or, you know, yeast overgrowth in the gut. Okay. But mold is much more detrimental. Mold is technically a biotoxin. A biotoxin is generally used in warfare. In fact, mold has been. Okay. So very, very dangerous. Mold is a living tissue, which means when you inhale it, when you touch it, have exposure to it or eat it, ultimately that can go into your system and be a living organism, just like a parasite would be in your gut or a bacteria, right? So we're thinking or or candida. So mold is living and it can produce 
depending on the type of mold, and that's what we're going to talk about today, mycotoxins. And that's where all the problem comes from, right? They're, they're releasing these spores that are actually damaging to your system and can make you incredibly sick. So when we're talking about a hierarchy of treating people, if someone has had mold exposure, for example, and they have all kinds of chronic gut issues and they've continued to have chronic gut issues and they've been working with someone and they've said, wow, I am really working on this candida. I'm really working on this parasite and we can't really get rid of it or my SIBO keeps coming back. When you're thinking of a hierarchy, you really want to start at the top and mold and lime are two of the things that can really dysregulate lower down. So today we're primarily talking about mold. That's more in my wheelhouse, but Mold will create chronic gut infections, chronic inflammation, chronic infertility. The list goes on and on, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty of that. But that is what mold is. In a water-damaged building, for example, and let me say, I talk to patients all day long. I, I, I practice full-time. And when I ask them if they have been exposed to mold, the resounding answer is no. I would say 90% of people say no from the get-go. No, there's no mold in my house. No, we don't have any problems with mold. No, 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 no. Then when you start to dig deeper and really dig into their history, they start to think back to that rental. They start to think back to that shower leak that potentially happened. They start to think back to, oh, maybe there was that one time our house flooded or, wow, I do smell a musty smell or, wow, I am a little more fatigued when I go home. And they start to look back on their history and they can see that maybe that they have been potentially exposed to black mold. That is very enlightening. So that, I don't want to go too far off of like topic, but so how long, for example, would you see if someone was exposed to mold, say in a rental 10 years ago or 12 years ago or however many years ago, how long can you see the residual effects of mold if someone has not like addressed that? Okay. So a case I, I had this week that I saw. We ran we ran a test. I did a light duty test. It wasn't even a mycotox test. I ran a an overall test called an organic acids and oats test. And she showed up positive for aspergillus mold, black mold, like K. And it's the only only one that it tests on this test, which is, you know, just a, a small piece. So it came up positive. We went ahead and we also checked her house because she had had a couple different problems with flooding in her house. Her house came back clean. I think she had had three situations where there had been standing water where they had mitigated over the years, 10 years. She has lived in that house for 10 years and there was no mold that actually showed up when we tested her home. Okay. That means that it was a, a, it was probably a rental many years before because we went through gym, we went through any place that she had spent some sort of time and she works from home primarily mm-hmm. or is on the road. So there's no place that she's really consistent to have that much mold in her system. So she went back and she said, you know, there was a rental that I lived in like 10 to 12 years ago. And I'm pretty suspicious that that rental had mold. My sister lives there now and has all kinds of problems mm-hmm. that I think is related. 
So that being said, when I'm treating patients, most of them now are living in a house that we have checked for mold and is clear, but they're having exorbitant numbers of black mold come up on their testing. So I personally believe that it it can be any amount of time. Mm-hmm. I also had another case recently where two parents, and I've treated both of them, and they both showed positive mold exposure. They've checked their current house. They checked their last house as well. Before that, they lived in I, down south, I think it was Alabama or Mississippi. And they live there, and they're very highly suspicious that that house, it was, it was about 15 years ago, had black mold. Anyway, so we've we've remediated the mold out of their system. So what's really interesting is I tested their daughter who was five, right? The daughter did not live in this house, but the mold got passed down from the mother to the daughter during pregnancy. Oh my gosh, that is interesting. High levels of black mold with the daughter and the daughter's not experiencing any effects that we would consider with with mold exposure right we 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 think allergies we think rashes we think uh, respiratory issues we think of people also being chronically sick the daughter craves sugar and that's pretty much it <laughs> like they just wanted to check that was it right oh my gosh that is crazy. Yeah, we've gotten, we got several questions that was like, I think I was exposed 12 years ago, or I think I was exposed 30 years ago in the house that I grew up in. And do you think it could still be lingering? So that is really fascinating. I know we're going to talk about mold impact on fertility and pregnancy and like overall health and wellness, but like that in and of itself is very eye-opening. So how do we get exposed to mold? I know you mentioned, so we're talking about quote unquote black molds, right? And this this particular type that is the thing that we're really taking a hard look at. But where do we where can we see it? Where can we not see it? But could it be like how do we actually get exposed to it? Right, that's a great question, and I think it's often really overlooked. So, common places for exposure are are water damaged buildings. That's huge, right? Because a lot of the buildings today have drywall right? And drywall is what? From from trees, right? So mold just spreads like wildfire in here. I was actually talking to somebody that was in construction and he said, you know, it's a real concern with how tightly we have to make new houses now. And so ultimately, if there's a leak, you know, it can go everywhere. So I think a common misconception is, well, my house is new, I don't have mold exposure. Well, maybe. Ultimately, if you have a leak or if you've had water damage for more than, and the the time frame is debated, 24 to 48 hours is actually what I believe the CDC or the World Health Organization says, but I think it also depends on where you live and what material is around for the mold to potentially grow. Again, in my own basement, there was no mold, but my basement is all dirt because it's unfinished, right? There was no nothing that that came out of that. So looking at those factors, I think it's going to depend, you know, on the time frame. So leaky toilets, very commonly mold is found under there if it proceeds for more than, let's say, 24 to 48 hours. 
leaky showers or faulty construction on the showers or not having enough caulking around the showers, which is often missed. So a lot of times there can be mold around the showers. When people close their house up and go on vacation, and if they live in a humid environment, it's not so common where I live here in Colorado, but if they just close their house off, turn it off, a lot of times mold can grow in a more humid environment just because of the condensation that's happening with a warmer house. The other places that mold can grow and sprout is food, which is really quite scary. They believe that 25% of the world's food supply is affected and contaminated with mold. Here's a common place that it's contaminated with mold. Your grains. Grains can potentially be contaminated. So thinking wheat, barley, oats, rye, corn can be contaminated. We also think, and we think about all those things that are, that, you know, are made from that. Pastries, cereal, you know, anything that you're eating that's probably processed, you could potentially be being exposed to mold. Some studies have found wine, coffee, dried fruit. So you really have to be careful on your sourcing. So there was an interesting study that was done by the World Health Organization. And there, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but basically all these kids sat down and had a school lunch in 13 different states. Okay. And about 35% of these kids got sick. I think it was around 144 out of 455 kids. It was around 35%. Anyway, the World Health Organization was like, what is going on? Like, what, what's happening? And so they investigated and said, okay, well, they were burritos. Okay, well, you know, each different state, some of them got the fillings from the same company. Some of them were different. So the fillings came from, from different manufacturing places, and they were also different. So some had eggs, some had meat, some had cheese, you know, a variation of that. But the one thing that they found that was constant between all of these different 13 states, and these these kids presented like they got abdominal pain, they were vomiting, they got loose stools, okay? What does that sound like to you 15 minutes after eating? Food poisoning. Totally. <laughs> 100%, right? Yeah. And you would think of other things like, were the eggs bad? Was the meat bad? Cheese? Oh, and dairy can be another contaminant with mold. So they went back through and they said, okay, well, the fillings came from different places. So what was the one thing that was constant? And they found that the tortilla that this was made in was the constant. And, and then they went back through and they tested it because they really needed to rule out food poisoning. They needed to, to rule out toxic heavy metal exposure. And they also needed to rule out mold. Do you want to know what it was? It was mold. Oh my gosh. And so this mold that you're talking about in food items, beans, grains, all of this stuff is the same mold that you might find like on your walls or around your shower or in your home. Little different. Okay. They're, they're all little different okay. species in the black mold category, but still equal, but, okay. equally detrimental. Yep. So when you're talking about mold exposure and mold toxicity, they're considered the, in the same vein, like to cause the same symptoms and same, you know, signs and all that stuff. 
Yeah, I'm okay. lumping them together yeah. because it, it gets really complicated and confusing. So yeah, I'm just kind of lumping them all into one of the black mold family. Okay, great. And that actually makes it easier <laughs> that we don't have to go all throughout the differences because I'm sure it's a lot more complicated and complex than than kind of we're presenting it. But like, I think that's what we need because I feel like what people will say is it's too hard. It's too much work to kind of dive into it. And therefore I'm going to do nothing. But if we can really present it the way that you're presenting it in a very like, you know, they may be different strands, but we're still dealing with the same idea, right? Primarily when I run testing, I see a lot of it coming from water damage buildings. Okay. So when I'm running that, that's that's a lot of what I see. Sometimes I'll see the one that's off of food. That is less likely okay. than what I see with water damage buildings. But still so interesting. Hi friends, Laura here with a quick break to tell you a little bit about one of our absolute favorite products and companies. Our friends at Paleo Valley are on a mission to help people reclaim vibrant health, providing products that prioritize nutrient density in an industry that prioritizes everything else. They believe that every dietary choice and every added ingredient is a powerful opportunity to love and care for ourselves. And we couldn't agree more. I love the Organ Complex and C Serum for everyday holistic health support. And the beef and turkey sticks are our favorite travel essentials when we're out in the van. And right now we are digging the super greens. They're organic, they're non-GMO, and they contain the actual ingredients that you can use that aren't going to cause inflammation. And right now you can get 15% off of your Paleo Valley order with the code MODERNMAMAS. Check it out. You know, we had a question from a, a listener who said that she, and she's a nutritional therapy practitioner, so she's, you know, very well-researched, and she brought up some symptoms, and she's like, do you think it could be mold? And the physician told her, no, because your house is new. And she was <laughs> like, well, I still feel like I have these symptoms, and he kind of wrote her off, but from just kind of backing up and taking what you were saying about the drywall and the, how short of a time like a leak could be occurring for you to really be impacted. I think that's also important. So here's a question. This may be getting into the weeds a little bit. So if say the drywall that someone has been, so your house is new, but of course the drywall comes from somewhere, right? Like, you know, the, the structures that you're using to build the house, the wood, all of it, like if they're, those materials had been exposed at some point, they can still harbor mold in your brand new house. Totally. Okay. Yeah. I think more though, when you're going to really see it spread is when you really get it wet or mm -hmm. give it. So, so here, you know, I, I guess I haven't really done as much diving into that because here it's relatively dry. Mm -hmm. So unless there's a water source for the mold, it's going to be harder for that to grow. But gotcha. I think if you're living in a more humid cli climate, yeah, that could certainly be more of a concern. Awesome. I know her personally. We're in Texas. And so it's yeah, pretty, Texas it's is pretty dang humid. Yeah. <laughs> I actually see some folks from Texas and the mold, the mold is a huge thing that I work on down there. Yeah. And like sides of houses are completely moldy. And to my knowledge on the case that I'm thinking about, to my knowledge, there wasn't a water source. Wow. So interesting. Okay. And just to back up, I know you were talking about mold. Like we really think like mold in the places that we're living, but you could be exposed in places that you frequent often, like an office building or a gym, like you go to every day. So they're diff it's not just in your home is what I'm gathering. Right. So here's, here's what's scary. 
some people are more genetically predisposed to being sensitive to mold. So the research says that it doesn't matter the amount of mold you're exposed to if you're more sensitive, if you have the genetic predisposition to it, okay? What I have seen in clinical practice is the patients that I see, it tends to be dose-dependent, but the literature does not support what I'm saying on it being dose-dependent. So that means for somebody that's incredibly sensitive that has the genes, they can walk into the grocery store and there can be mold somewhere in the grocery store and they get a severe headache suddenly, they have problems you know, whatever it could be. So that's what I, that that's what I will commonly see in somebody that's highly, highly sensitive. Right. And just like suddenly, oh, you get something that looks like food poisoning because you got an exposure. What I tend to see and what my patients tend to report is it, the longer that they're exposed to the mold, the worse they get. But again, the literature does not support that. So that means that you could be going to a hot yoga studio, okay? That, you know, you're doing hot yoga and there's a water source and the mold continues to grow. Think about that. You're sweating, you're breathing it in. You know, that that's a perfect environment for that to come into your system. So the, the problem is, is that we don't know all the places where somebody is getting exposed to mold, but certainly can they be exposed at an office? Yeah. Can they be exposed at a gym? Most definitely. Okay. That's amazing. And I, I don't definitely don't want our listeners to be like, Oh my God, like looking for mold anywhere. everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I, like you said, I mean, we, we can't wrap ourselves in bubble wrap forever, but it's just good to be aware. And I think most most importantly, if you are experiencing signs and symptoms, which I want to dive into right now, to kind of look at all those places that you're frequenting because it could be coming from different sources. So I think that's super important. So, Kate, tell us. We've mentioned kind of in passing some signs and symptoms and things that you're looking for as a practitioner. But in general, kind of like in one place here, talk to us about signs and symptoms of mold exposure. Oh my goodness. The list is long. So <laughs> mold is the great mimicker. So it looks like a lot of things. When we're thinking about, it can mimic thyroid disease. So we'll see things like fatigue, anxiety, depression, low motivation. I'm going to circle back to low motivation. Exercise intolerance, poor oxygenation in your tissues, like cold hands, cold feet, I personally had a cold bum when I got exposed to mold for whatever that's worth. <laughs> that's very <And> interesting. <laughs> right? I know. I know. Trouble finding words. So it's definitely going to affect your brain health. Commonly forgetting words, worthlessness, you'll see behavioral trouble, joint pain, muscle cramps, drinking and peeing a lot. You can get stabbing, ice pick type pain, electrical shocks throughout your body. Of course, you can get the respiratory symptoms. So we're thinking about asthma, red eyes, you know, just you, you get every cold that comes around and it sits in your chest. Shortness of breath. This sounds like we're talking about COVID. Right. I was just about to say that. <laughs> so abdominal pain, like we talked about in that case where they, it looked like food poisoning related symptoms. I've seen IBS in, in, in gut symptoms be much worse or not be able to resolve gut symptoms, confusion, rashes, eczema, 
aka atopic dermatitis, very common. Skin issues are very, very common in mold exposure. Mood swings, night sweats, weight gain that seems kind of sudden, or I'm doing everything right and I can't lose weight. Like what is going on here? And another one that I saw personally in, in clinical practice was a top athlete that suddenly just completely went downhill and just found massive, massive mold in in the bathroom and the carpet around the house where this this kiddo was so fatigued, he couldn't do it, but you'll see sudden decrease in performance. So mold affects a lot of symptoms or a lot of systems, which we can see here. I've also seen a crazy case that I had two weeks ago was once we cleaned the mold out of someone's house, they actually had hearing aids. And I, I talked about ringing in the ears is definitely associated with mold exposure, but I don't know if if your hearing loss will be permanent or if it was related to inflammation. I don't want to say either way. Within a week of cleaning the mold out of this woman's house, her hearing started to come back. Within a week of doing the mold protocol, she wasn't wearing hearing aids any, anymore. Two oh weeks. Oh my gosh. That is it's crazy. crazy. And by the way, it affects hormones. I've seen multiple women that have gotten hysterectomies that we found mold in their house after that heavy duty periods. They couldn't stop bleeding. You know, so really looking at these things, I've seen miscarriages related to it. It's the list that goes on and on. And and you don't have to have severe symptoms. So when I lived in a moldy house, I I trained for a half Ironman. I worked full time, you know, and, you know, had a social life and had pretty, you know, I, I was, I looked pretty trim, but I started getting this dry cough. I would have red eyes and I would describe myself when I got home from work as blasted. Mm. That Those were the terms that I would use. It was that much fatigue. And that was the only way that it affected me. And I quote, when they cleaned out the basement of this house, the guy said, I've never seen so much black mold in one place. God. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm as you're running through all of the signs and symptoms, I think it's really important because oftentimes most of our listeners are women. A lot of them are mothers, not all of them, but I would say speaking for myself, written off a lot of these symptoms as just like I'm just a mom, like I'm tired, I'm blasted, I'm mm-hmm. you know, gaining weight, I, you know, all these things, like my hormones are out of whack, like it's just normal cuz I'm a mom and I gave birth to two children. And I think I think it's really important for our listeners to hear like you don't have to it's not necessarily normal <laughs> to feel that way 24/7 and yes some of those things may be a byproduct of like you're not sleeping that much cuz you are a mom and you're getting up at night but i think i can speak again personally for myself i've just now after being a mom for almost 7 years started diving into my own health and being like i don't think this is normal <laughs> mm-hmm. and doing the testing and wanting answers and wanting to find out how to best support my health. So I think it's really important because like you like you were saying, a lot of those things, they sound like things that people would quote unquote live with, right? Just like this is the mm-hmm. norm. My my favorite comment is I'm just getting older. Mm-hmm. It's just me. I'm getting older. This is a way that I have to live. It's crazy talk. 
You're not getting older. I mean, yes, we are all getting older, but ultimately you shouldn't have to deal with these issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in circling back, I see a lot of Hashimoto's specifically in my practice. And a lot of these people were, you know, in certain cases where the thyroid was dysregulated from mold exposure, mm-hmm. these people do not need thyroid replacement anymore which is crazy. Their thyroid is completely normal. Mm -hmm. They end up being able to wean off their meds. I mean, you see also high blood pressure, glucose. I also had a case where there was a patient that had late onset type one diabetes going into type two. And I'm like, that is so strange. And we found mold in her house and suddenly her, her blood sugar glucose levels stabilized and she was using a lot less insulin for her type one diabetes. Just is, as a, I never, I never touched, I never touched her blood sugar. I never did anything to treat her blood sugar. I literally just treated the mold. They cleaned the mold out of the house and we can see how mold is disrupting and can disrupt every symptom from the body. And by the way, it's a carcinogen. Mm. Man, that is, that hits home. (laughs) So when we're, when we're looking at stuff and we're looking at hormones, you know, a lot of women want to focus on hormones and I completely get that, but what's driving the dysregulation of your hormones? In my opinion and in my practice, hormones are the last thing that I address because 80% of the time they re-regulate. When you address the root cause is what you're saying. Yeah, sometimes it's other things. And sometimes you certainly have to go after the hormones. I'm not saying that you don't. But female reproductive hormones, I treat that last. A lot of times women can re-regulate. Sometimes, you know, that's not the case and it depends. But a lot of times in my practice, in my experience, they will re-regulate, you know? Oh my gosh, so interesting. So what is... I don't know if this is the right time to ask, but what is typically the length of time to recover? So from acute mold exposure or even long-term, I guess, does it really depend on the steps that you're taking, like all that you're doing? I mean, I'm sure you have to remediate the source and then also treat the patient. Like what, what does that usually look like though, in terms of time? I tell people it'll be three months to three years. Okay. Depending on how much they've been exposed, how much the rest of their system has been dysregulated, how sick they are, how much trouble they have detoxifying, you know, how many genetic SNPs they have right. in their or in their system. So, you know, if you have a mold issue, you, you're being exposed constantly, and you have a pretty severe gut issue you know, and you have a liver issue or you have a gallbladder issue, you know, you also have to remedy those things as well. I tell people for the first month, I've even seen the first three months, it's rocky because you're, you're mobilizing mold and it's being excreted out of your system, which is, it's, it's rough. Mm. So you're, so when you think about mold specifically, right, it affects our dopamine system. It affects our serotonin system. It affects our neurotransmitters. Food, the food, the mold that we find on food specifically targets serotonin. 
right? Serotonin makes us feel happy, creative. We want to connect with people. We have concern for our friends and our family. We fall into a deep and restful sleep. When you're, you know, when you're around someone and they're like, oh my God, pet pet golf, so fun. They're <laughs> so excited. I just want to go. That's good serotonin levels, you know? The rest <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can work. I'm so tired, right? Those are lower serotonin levels. You don't really find the joy in everyday life anymore, okay? It actually depletes it. And think about what medication a lot of people are on. They're on antidepressants or SSRIs. So could some of that be what's what's causing that drop? I mean, short term, I think, you know, it, it can be, you know, nutrition. It certainly can be mold. It can be gut issues since a lot of the serotonin is made in the gut, right? Mm-hmm. But food is also accosting that. And if you're being exposed to mold, potentially in a drip sequence, that could be a problem. Also can lead to behavioral problems. So on the other side, we have dopamine. Dopamine makes us feel focused. It makes us feel worthwhile. We feel rested after long hours of after we after long hours of sleep when we wake up. And dopamine and serotonin are critical for behavioral and for sugar and for learning. What we do to boost this up, and I think that this is going to resonate with a lot of folks, is the legal way for us to boost this up is exercise. And sugar. So when we're thinking about, wow, I've really, gosh, I'm so tired. I'm just going to reach for that cookie cake or that candy to help me boost this up. I feel good for an hour or two, and then I crash harder, and I feel like my baseline is lower. And then, you know, and so that will lead to sugar addiction and sugar cravings because it'll definitely boost it up short term, but we fall much lower than we did in the first place. Sick of mainstream remedies that are packed with questionable ingredients and come with nasty side effects? Us too, which is why we've partnered with our friends at Beekeepers Naturals, a company founded on the belief that we shouldn't have to sacrifice our values to feel better. They're on a mission to reinvent the medicine cabinet and save the bees while they're at it. Products that benefit the people, the true health, and the bees and planet too. We at our house, this is Laura, use the propolis spray every day to support our immunity. And Evie can't get enough of the bee-powered honey. In fact, she asks for it first thing every single morning. And I use the Bee Chill Hemp Honey every day to help keep me zen. I also love replacing my afternoon cup of coffee with the Bee Elixir Brain Fuel. And we are stocked up on their new cleaner cough syrup just in case one of us gets a cough. You can get 15% off your order with the code MODERNMAMASNOW at beekeepersnaturals.com. That is so interesting. And I, I think especially relevant right now as we're recording in the midst of COVID and I can speak from personal personal experience, my sugar intake has been through the roof. And I think because I'm dealing with a lot of, we're all dealing with a lot of feelings and it's like, oh, there's some sadness, some anxiety. And it's like my mm-hmm. exercise routine has gone out the window and my sugar intake, intake has increased exponentially along with wine consumption and all of mm-hmm. these things that make me feel good in the moment, right? But not necessarily the long-term, probably the the healthiest long-term fix for that. (laughs) Right. And I quote a Guns N' Roses song for that. There's a Guns N' Roses song about drugs. And it says, I used to do a little, but the little wouldn't do it. So the little got more and more, right? Mm. So same thing with sugar. And we see that with rat studies. So you, you do a little bit and the rats feel good. So rats will choose to have sugar over 
their their chow after fasting for 12 hours. And then, but you see each day their sugar consumption increases to really help them out and to boost them up, right? To get those dopamine levels higher and higher and higher and higher. And so that's why our sugar intake increases a little bit more or our wine intake increases a little bit more. And I realized this when I when when patients would come in and they'd say, I want to do this elimination diet because we'll have them do an elimination diet and slowly and slowly bring in the bring the foods back in. And people come in and they would look at me and they'd say, I want to do it, but I just can't. And so so you're looking at these things that deplete it, mold, gut infections, stress, nutrient deficiencies. And nutrient deficiencies are key because they run these pathways. So let's say you're lacking in B, B6 or copper or magnesium or something like that, or your gut's not working, guess what? You can't run these pathways because you don't have enough. And if you know, your gut has been inflamed or you're inflamed, you you can see how this can become a vicious cycle and some of these things never get better. Oh, yes. Thank you. Just <laughs> preach. I'm, I'm, I'm receiving <laughs> it. I'm receiving that, that message. I'm so, I'm so <laughs> glad because I, I really feel like women think it's a willpower issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just need to eat less calories. It's a willpower issue. That's hogwash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you for that. Well, okay, Mm -hmm. on the flip side, and I know you're probably going to, I think I know the answer here, but is it possible to not be affected by mold exposure or maybe not as, I feel like there could be two people in the same house exposed to the same thing, but respond differently or not at all. Is that true? Totally. Okay. 100%. Okay. Some people don't even have the gene sensitivity to it. So, you know, that house that I lived in that had just terrible black mold, there could be some people that could live in that and be completely, their health could be completely unaffected. Mm-hmm. The percentage is not huge. Also, the percentage of, of folks that have like the extreme sensitivity is not huge. I think most of us fall in the midline. Yeah, which I feel like is why it's so difficult sometimes to even like diagnose or like think that it could be mold because it's like, it's just a general, like I don't, I don't feel vibrant, right? Like I feel okay, but I don't feel great, you know, I think is what the majority of people are probably suffering through, right? And I think that's, you know, that's a piece of it. Yeah. They just don't feel great. But the other piece is, well, I have Hashimoto's, Mm -hmm. but it's being managed. It's being Mm -hmm. taken care of, or I've got ADD, but I'm on Adderall and I can manage it. Like, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I think it depends on how far you want to go down the dark hole. Do you want to be on Adderall? Do you want to be on, you know, thyroid replacement? Could there potentially be an alternative of what dysregulated your thyroid gland? I don't know. I mean, possibly or, you know, but we see those things kick up and someone said something key to me one time. They told me, well, I thought my condition was managed when I was on Adderall. I didn't think to take the next step. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. I mean, I feel like there's so much to cover and I like I just want to keep ask going chasing those rabbit like trails, but I I will I will refrain cuz I really want to know and you mentioned this at the beginning. We again, like I said, a lot of our listeners are mamas or they plan to become pregnant at some point, but how can can you speak to how the mold exposure can actually affect our hormone hormones and our fertility and pregnancy and all of that? 
Okay. So I've got 17 relevant studies on this, right? So these were the studies. Some of these were performed in humans. Some of these were performed in animals. So I'll specify that out just to keep to the data and to the the literature because I've already talked about hysterectomies and infertility and what I've seen a little bit in my practice. But one of the studies, they said mycotoxin exposure in pregnant women showed that during pregnancy, fetal growth and was affected and so was jaundice. So these kids actually came out smaller and with jaundice. It was one. They also found that it could create hypertensive emergencies during pregnancy to the women. And it can also create neural tube defects like spina bifida. Okay. They can also increase the risk for preterm birth and a late-term miscarriage. They can mm-hmm. also have detrimental effects on pregnancy outcomes. So that was looking at 17 studies. They, they took the, the data in the literature from 17 studies, and that's what they found during when, when a woman was pregnant. Could they carry this baby to term? Would the baby be healthy? Would the baby be the right size? They also have found that they believe that with the food supply being contaminated up to 25%, they believe that it impairs the the growth of, of the baby, prematurity of having a premature baby at birth, and it increases the risk of pregnancy loss, okay? They also found that it can increase anemia in the mothers during pregnancy And they believe that they want to look into doing something about the food supply because they believe that this is going to reduce the global burden of stillbirth, Mm -hmm. preterm birth, and low birth rate. Wow. (laughs) So that's, that's, that's a big, those are big statements, right? Like those are big, like you said, studied links that they're Mm -hmm. really, really concerned with. 10 of those were in humans and 17 were in animals. Oh my goodness. So just to clarify where the studies came from, but what they did a they basically did a meta-analysis, which is the top form of research that we can do. They take all the studies, they take all the 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 clinically relevant studies that are double-blind placebo controlled and they analyze them. Mm. So that's the top form of research that we can get. So that's terrifying. They also stated that they believe that prenatal mold exposure will can create atopic dermatitis or eczema in their baby. Hmm. So all of you moms out there that are concerned about your child that potentially has eczema, aka atopic dermatitis, could have been a mold exposure during pregnancy. Okay. So that's heavy. And again, like we want to, knowing that, right? Like we don't want to drop a bomb like mold is bad. Good luck. No, no, no. <laughs> right. No. What can we do? Because I want to empower our listeners. I think the more, you know, like the more empowered you are to like make change. And that's our, that's our motto here. 100%. So knowing that mold is something that we really should be taking a hard look at in our own lives what can we do? Like, how do we help ourselves limit exposure? If we suspect, this is kind of a really big 
question because I'm sure there's a lot to it. But if we suspect potential mold in our homes or in certain food items, like what's the next step? How do we help ourselves? I think the first thing to do is to determine if mold is a reason that that your child might have eczema. Do you live in the same house? Was there a leak in a, ha- a previous house? Has are you living in a water damage bill? Is it, you know what's what's the concern? Like where was the mold exposure? If you were eating, because you know if you were eating high amounts of potentially grains during pregnancy, like what was the source of those grains? Right? Could could you know could you get a better source mm-hmm. for grains? You know I I think at the end of the day. We're, we're being exposed a little bit through our food supply. That's been clear. But I think limiting the amount of grains you're eating, limiting the amount of wine you're drinking, it, it can it can go a long way, right? Because we see that most of this is actually coming from the grains. So it kind of begs the question, like, is it the grains that are an issue or is it maybe, you know, what's what we're doing along. to the grains, yeah. Yeah. what's riding along with the grains. So you kind of, you, you wonder the, some of those things, you know, when we really drill down and that's been a, that's been a question, you know, that's been circling around in the back of my mind. Sweating really helps to eliminate toxins. So, you know, sweating is, is critical. You know, I think on an infant, you clearly can't do a sauna. That's dangerous. But I mean, for yourself, I mean, being able to detoxify that out. For kids, I mean, we're just doing, you know, sprays that help their body to eliminate it. Kids are very resilient. I think sweating and just doing supportive detoxification will really help get that stuff out of their system. And they're they're pretty resilient. And then ultimately, when they get to an age where they could sauna or they could sweat or they could do a better protocol if they're still struggling with it, I think that that's an important maybe piece to look at. But in the interim, I think removing probably the offending foods or the offending maybe source. So how we do that is you can get a mold testing company into your house if you suspect that. I also recommend a home test that comes from real-time labs. You can order it yourself and you can test test the dust in your house. It's called an EMMA test. And you can test to see if you have higher levels of mold, right? And we want to make sure there's mold around us, but we want to make sure the mold inside of the house isn't superseding the mold outside of the house, Mm, right? mm -hmm. You don't have an active growing or growth of mold. And those types of tests will help kind of help you determine if that's the case. Right. So I think figuring out where the mold is, you know, the question I get a lot on the Emma test from real-time labs is, well, what if we find mold in the house, but we don't know where it is? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's Mm -hmm. a challenge, Mm -hmm. right? I, you know, I think you really need to have an idea of where it is. You know, when you bring a mold testing company in to check, the problem with that is there is one species of black mold that doesn't get tested for, and there can be, and there's another species that is not generally detrimental to humans that can test high. So mm-hmm. there's a slight possibility of a false negative and a false positive. So and, yeah, you know, it's not it's not perfect, right. and, and that's the problem. 
Is that the ERMI, the ERMI test? Is that yep, what mostly? Correct. Okay, got you. We got yep. some questions about that and wondering if that's the best way to go. I know there can be false positive, false negative, but are there any other options aside from that? Those are, those are the two that right. I recommend. Okay. That, and that's, then I, that's the best we have right. really. And then I guess you just pair that with common sense. Like, you know, if you can see something, obviously, but if you're feeling a certain way, like even if it tests negative, doesn't necessarily mean there isn't mold somewhere around, right? Like based off. Totally. I mean, yeah. Okay. So it's, what? A, go ahead. It's scary. And I think, I also think, you know, a couple of the other things that I, I want to make sure that we know on this is they also checked, they did a study in Poland for, you know, IQ of children that were six. And in these homes, there was actually visible black mold growth, okay? So they ruled out with the mothers to make sure that the mothers were perfectly healthy. They weren't smoking. They didn't have any underlying diseases. And they realized that actually IQ scores were highly affected in the children living in moldy homes. Wow. So longer term, that's where we're seeing it really get affected. And then also chronic allergies, chronic sinusitis. When a child has been exposed to mold, both in in the womb and also, you know, early on in life, they tend to struggle until they see about 16 years of age. Wow. So I just want to make sure that that people have an idea of maybe what to advocate for. If they're struggling with some of these things with their kiddos and just maybe looking back at the root cause, it doesn't necessarily have to be mold, but I just want to make sure there's some other ideas that they can bring up to, to folks if they're, if they're questioning it. Hey, hey, today's podcast is sponsored by Vital Choice Wild Seafood and Organics, the leading choice for fabulous, sustainably sourced seafood and a certified B Corporation. If you're anything like me, you spent way too many hours scratching your head in front of the fridge and researching safer, sustainable seafood options for you and your family. It's always led to analysis paralysis for me. Since I've started using Vital Choice to source our sustainable seafood, our immune supplements, and even other organic meats and food items, hello, bone broth, life has been so dang easy. Now I have canned and frozen options at my fingertips all week long. And I know without a doubt, I'm supporting my family's immune health at a time when it's most important. Right now, you can use the link in our show notes and the code MODERNMAMAS for 10% off one order of $100 or more. Plus, you always get free shipping over $99. Bye-bye analysis paralysis with monthly subscription boxes and cost-friendly sampler packs. We'll be eating amazing food from now on without ever having to leave home. So how do you test in your, so we talk about what you can do in your home. What about when you work with patients? So say someone's like, oh my gosh, checking all the boxes. I think I have mold exposure. I think this is, what's the deal? Like, how can people go about advocating for themselves and what do they do to test themselves? Okay. So I run a mycotox test from Great Plains Laboratory. That's what I do. What you do, it's a urine test. So you're excreting mold out. Again, not a perfect science. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you won't excrete mold, be excreting mold out of your system. So in order to really push the excretion of mold, I have people do things before they run the test. I have them exercise. I have them go to bed a little bit dehydrated or I'll have them sauna. I will also do high-dose glutathione to be able to mobilize the mold. 
that's what I do. Okay. I do a liposomal source of, of glutathione. So that was a lot of big words. Yeah. <laughs> liposomal, liposomal is a spray that it basically goes into your mouth and it's absorbed in the tissues of your mouth so you can bypass the GI tract. Why that's important is a lot of that will not be absorbed in the gut. So we want it to be in the systemic or in the circulation to see what's going to what's going to come out of the what's going to come out of your tissues, right? And in that so we're able to challenge that a lot more. When we have to run it through the gut, only a little bit is going to get translated into the urine. Thank so. you so much for clarifying what liposomal means. I've been seeing it everywhere, like liposomal vitamin C and liposomal this. And I'm like, what What does it mean? Of course, I could Google, but that was a great explanation. So, and then I never asked you this, but do you just work with patients locally or do you do distance work? We do, we do it all. Yeah, okay. we do local and distance. Okay, awesome. Just in case our listeners are like, I don't know who to help me. So that's yeah. amazing. And we'll share your contact information at the end as well. So awesome. we're, we're running up on an hour. And I want to make sure, like, maybe ending with, so say someone doesn't know, doesn't have the means to get tested, but really just wants to support themselves in general, in their home, really mitigating as much as possible potential exposure to mold. So what can we do, like, do air purifiers work? Like do removing furniture? Cause I, we had a lot of questions about like, I thought I had mold on my furniture. I cleaned it. Is it still on there? Do I need to get rid of the furniture? Like, you know, all these things just really like actual applicable ways to actually treat things in your home that might have mold. If you can't afford like a remediation. You got to remediate it. Uh, I, okay. I hate to say that. Like it's not, so, I mean, yes, can can your items hold mold? Absolutely. I think if you remediate the source, it's better. So, for example, like, okay, so let's say you have mold in your home. It's going to constantly be growing. You really need to figure out a way to remediate or or take it out or figure out where it's coming from and at least cut it out. You know, mm-hmm. get get rid of You have to get rid of it. You're going to get sicker and sicker and sicker. You're going to spend a lot more money in the long run if it continues to grow. A lot of questions get asked about belongings. Porous belongings can hold mold. Okay. So the more porous, the more it can hold mold. So when somebody, if in an ideal situation, if you can move, I would move. If you find mold in your house, you run one of these tests and you find mold in your house, a lot of times you can take it to the landlord and landlords don't want to deal with a mold remediation. So generally they'll let you break your lease. I think it's a good idea to get rid of a lot of your belongings, the belongings that like clothes. If you can just wash those, you know, keep them in the garage when you move and wash those, that's highly helpful. So I, I just really think it's, I, I really think you have to remediate the source. You're going to suffer the other thing that when people can't move right away or can't get out right away, stay out of your house as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, don't spend long hours inside at your house. If if you have to, open the window. I mean, try to open the windows. You know, really think about things to air air out the house. And I I just think it's critical. I I think you really you spend money on what you value, and I think that. 
I would really value this. I would really value to get to the bottom of this. If you've struggled and you've been down every path and you're not quite getting better, I would really look at this because this ultimately causes inflammation in your in your brain called quinolinic acid. Quinolinic acid has been linked to ALS, Huntington's disease, brain deterioration, dementia, Alzheimer's disease. I don't know. That's not how I want to go. <laughs> like, it's really not. I, I, I really don't want to go that way. And so I, I just think really, really making it a priority. You can, you know, people ask me, they're like, can I go ahead and start the mold protocol and mold detox while I'm living in a moldy house? Yeah, it'll help some. But I mean, at the end of the day, get it remediated, then start the mold protocol. It's going to be a lot more cost effective that right. way. <laughs> and there are reputable mold re- remediation companies that will come in, give you an estimate, and then you yeah. guys will like go from there in terms of like, what can you do? What does this look like? All right. of that stuff. Yeah. And I think okay. you had one other, like, I think critical question. And you said, you know, testing and credibility was something. And I, and I get up against this a lot with husbands, primarily how you said it. Like that <laughs> Thinking that testing is, is woo-woo. <laughs> they think this is woo-woo. Yeah. But I think most of what I've said has been cited from, number one, the World Health Organization. The CDC talks about mold. Every study has been a governmental database PubMed study. And so I think really asking about what the concerns are with the husband, generally what it comes from is a lack of knowledge or a Mm -hmm. lack of understanding. But pretty much what I have referenced here today, I've either said in my experience or I've cited a study. So I I just hope that that gives listeners the the ammo that they need to really discuss this openly with with a family member that's That's struggling with it. Absolutely. I have a quick... In terms of, say you are moving or you're purchasing a new house, do you, maybe this is just a personal question, would you recommend testing the house for mold prior to purchasing? Like, can you do that? 100%. Okay. It's an optional test. Okay. They say, well, do you want this? You don't have to have this. It's optional. I 100% always do the mold test because you, you so it, interestingly, my sister purchased a house that was that had a ton of mold. And so she did the mold test and they dropped the purchase price $100,000 for her to do the remediation of the mold. So it can also be a really good bargaining tool when you're buying the house to say, well, this remediation is going to cost me X amount. Can you drop the purchase price that much? You know, so I think it's an absolute and if you don't want to deal with mold and you don't want to live in a moldy house, like you should absolutely check that. Prior Amazing. to the prior to the fact. Okay. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Like I, I still feel like we didn't get to everything. Is there anything <laughs> that you want to really just leave us with in terms of this topic? Like I know some people's heads might be spinning right now. So why don't you kind of give us the the long and short of it here at the end? Like what are your what are your parting words about mold? I see mold be a critical part of health. And I will see patients get to 80% improvement, 60% improvement. And sometimes they just get to this place and they say, well, this is just how it has to be. That is absolutely not the case. If you're not feeling like your autoimmune disease is managed, if you're not feeling like you should be feeling, if you are struggling and don't understand why, really start to look at 
environmental chemicals. And by the way, when you do a mold detox, you detox metals, heavy metals as well. And all of these things, when we're looking at environmental toxins, they are critical to health. I think most alternative health isn't really preaching this as much, but I see it be a huge dysregulating factor in autoimmune disease, in overall health, and also with neurotransmitter function as well, just for you to feel as good as you can. And by the way, it's a tough road to do mold remediation, but I think at the end of the day, it's worth it and it's worth detoxifying it out of your body. Just like you would get rid of a gut infection, why wouldn't you get rid of a mold infection? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Thank you so much. I am feeling educated and empowered and very curious about our current home. So thank you so much for sharing. So how can we find you? How can we connect with you? If someone's like, oh my gosh, I want to work with you. Tell us, tell us where you live on the interwebs and how to get in contact. Okay. So I am, I have two practices. One's in Denver, Colorado. One is in Longmont, Colorado. And the way to contact us is our website. It's alt, A-L-T, FAM, F-A-M, Med, M-E-D, short for Alternative Family Medicine. We have, you know, Twitter handles, Facebook handles, Instagram handles. And then, you know, we have a podcast called Fearless Health Podcast. We do cover a lot of mold on the podcast itself. So if you just want to get more information about mold, but if you really are looking to work with us, just reach out to our website, Alternative Family Medicine and Chiropractic. Amazing. We will link to all of that in the show notes so that you guys have easy access. But my gosh, mind blown. Thank you, Dr. Barter, for your time. And I can't wait for this episode to go live and everyone to get their hands on the information. But thank you again so much for being thank here. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun and so wonderful. I hope that people can get a lot out of this. Absolutely. We'll talk to you later. Bye, friend. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Bye.